Alan Reed, thank you so much for being on my podcast. I appreciate it. My pleasure. So I've been a fan of you guys since um, God Shuffled His Feet came out. And so getting to talk to you is this is great. You need to, uh, you know, you need to raise the bar a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, my bar, my bar is pretty high. I've gotten to talk to a lot of my favorite artists. This is definitely a bucket list. Even early on with Crash Test Dummies. Um, where did you feel like you guys fit in, in the musical universe as far as what was the initial fan base that was embracing you? Um, well, when, when our first record got shuffled, not got shuffled, Ghosts That Haunt Me, when that, when that came out, uh, we were sort of riding the wave of a resurgence of folk music uh, in the late 80s and early 90s. And mm. we sort of, um, you know, had uh, hints and influences from, you know, Irish and Scottish traditional music. And we were sort of, and country music, and we sort of... Uh, filtered in that those kind of influences into our music and that's where we started with that and then we just sort of went from there um with the second record again we were kind of lucky because we just sort of were riding on the coattails of the alternative uh music scene um when radio and well radio was was more open to playing music that was a little bit outside of the corporate box so in both cases with those records, we were very lucky. <laughs> yes. Well, so because one of the things I love that you just touched on was the whole concept of that kind of resurgence of folk music, and especially in the late 80s, which a lot of people don't quite remember or associate with music. But, you know, that was kind of around the time you know, Dylan was having a renaissance and, you know, that, that kind of singer-songwriter thing was starting to kind of rejuvenate a little bit. And... I always associated the lyrics, which is as, you know, kind of tongue in cheek as they were to very much be folky, you know? Yeah, I, I think that that's true. I mean, our, our musically for sure, which it's very, um, very natural sounding. We don't until our, our fourth record, we didn't use a lot of beep, boop, boop, <laughs> sounds, you know, beep, boop, or auto tune or that kind of thing. You got what you got. Also, the, the technology wasn't there when we were first recording. Um, but yeah, we, we tend to um, focus on more natural sounding music and, and sort of not overly, well, I wouldn't say overly complex because Brad certainly does try to make uh, the chord, chord structures more interesting than the usual. But yeah, I think it's, it's, it's pretty rootsy. Yeah, I mean, there definitely is a kind of like you said, like a rootsy vibe to it. But it, I can also see at the same time how it totally was able to integrate into that alternative scene. But now when you look back on it, a lot of the music that was considered alternative, I almost feel like nowadays would be more aligned with roots music. You know, like you said, the root, the root side of it as far as like that kind of influence. Yeah, I think the, the, the word alternative is, is key here because it's the alternative to what you're going to hear on your mainstream radio. Um, like your Jason Isbell's and your uh, Gregory Allen Isakoff. Like those are the ones that are sort of surging forward in, in an, as an alternative to your Lady Gaga's and your et cetera, et cetera. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So the... the, the uh, the meat of what is alternative may have changed a little bit, um, but it's still an alternative to what you're going to hear on mainstream radio. Yeah, that's very true. And I, I look, like I said, now at this point in my life, being an older, older guy than I was when I was, you know, older than when I was younger, was that, <laughs> <laughs> aren't we all that? But, you know, alternative, like you said, has a totally different meaning to me now. 
you know, it was alternative to what was mainstream and popular, but then it became for for a period of time mainstream and popular. You know what I yes. mean? Yes, exactly. Exactly. Which is why you might hear us being played on, you know, on some mainstream stations, although it's more like oldies now, for God's sake. Um, but, you know, and then you'll hear newer stuff that's coming in, into what is like new alternatives. I don't really understand all the genres. I've been sort of out of the business side of it for so long that... Uh, and I hardly ever have the radio on, so I don't. I have no clue what's going on in the world today. I barely. You do guys either. have a president or something that's like something's going on with him. He's like, so I heard something. But yeah, I'm sort of out of the loop of things. I was just going to ask you that. Like, I've I've talked to some friends of mine who are you know, from different parts of Europe, you know, like Sweden and Finland or whatever, and they were like, we've never paid this much attention to what's going on. America. They were like, they were like, this is like the best television. (laughs) I'm just like, it's embarrassing. Well, Canada's always been linked to the States just because of the, you know, the huge common border and our economies are very much intertwined. Mm -hmm. And and so so are our cultures, music, movies, all that kind of television, everything is very much intertwined. So Canada has always sort of been very aware of what's going on in the States because everything that goes in the States will affect us. So we know what's going on. (laughs) So you guys did the 2018 tour, the God Shuffle This Feet tour. Were there there any like complications with trying to get over here or play or was it pretty seamless for you? Um, Well, we do use an immigration lawyer. We don't just come show up to the border and say, hi, we're here to make money in your country. You you have to take certain steps. I don't know if those European bands are uh, indie bands or whether they're with labels or Mm -hmm. or what, but... um, if they're taking the proper steps, I can't understand why there would be a problem to tour in North America. Oh yeah. So we've we've never had any problem. We have we have immigration lawyers who get us the proper visas and paperwork, and we've never had any problems. Do you guys just push each other over the border, basically? You know, and like, <laughs> oh no, you're in America now. Oh. <laughs> No, we have the proper paperwork, and we're always very polite. We are Canadians, after all. And speaking of the 2018 tour, which, unfortunately, I had to miss the last time you guys were here in Atlanta. Like, how was that for you? I mean, there had to be a sense of nostalgia going on at that point. But was it, was it, how was it to revisit that album pretty much in its entirety, or actually very much in its entirety? Um, It's a real trip. Um, You know, when we sort of stopped touring in a major way, you know, 17 or 18 years ago. I never thought that when I was 53, I'd be back on the road in a van with the guys and, you know, going driving from town to town doing the show again. But it's been really wonderful and the audiences have been incredible. And like you say, it's a big nostalgia trip. And the cool thing is that, you know, we've got these people who are fans of us 25 years ago, 30 years ago, and they're bringing their adult children. That's got to be mind-blowing. Like, we played this, these you know, records when we would drive to the cottage, or this was our song that we played for you know, this event. Like How our music has been um, woven into the, their lives. And that's been really incredible. Uh, and also having the opportunity to actually connect with fans, because you know, back in the 90s, it was nuts. Um, we weren't expected to have that kind of success, and we were just whisked around, and the... And the schedule was grueling. Um, <clears throat> so now we were able to actually take a little bit of time and spend a half an hour after the shows, you know, meeting with fans, signing autographs if they want that, 
um, and just sort of hearing from them, hearing what they uh, what they thought of the show and what they what their you know memories of the the band and the music are, and that's been really incredible for us. We're we're really quite lucky to have that opportunity. That must be something really special, like you said, to see your audience grow up and like so like my crash test dummy story is that i was an assistant manager at a fast food restaurant and i almost lost my job because i called in sick to go to your show here in atlanta and so and i was i was 19 at the time you know what i mean and i'm like and so i was just like that must be so cool for you to hear stories like that from your fans over the years that like you know any great band that's been around that has a you know a long history you've got to hear some amazing stories from your fans well yeah um, and I'm, I'm glad you didn't lose your job because <laughs> well. then you wouldn't have a great association with us but uh yeah or maybe we, i would have had a better one really, i don't know <laughs> <laughs> we, you know i just i saw something on uh YouTube a few weeks ago about some father-daughter first dance that was one of our songs. Like, I would never associate one of our songs as being, you know, a father-daughter dance at a wedding, you know, ever. But that's what Dad wanted. So, and the video of them dancing at this beautiful wedding to our song. So everyone's got a funny little story about how they heard about us or what their music has meant to us. So, yeah, it's, it's really quite incredible. It's a, it's a lot of pinch me. Well, I was about to. Well, hopefully it wasn't swimming in your oceans, but you know, like I hope not. God, my own sunrise. Oh, oh no, God. That, yeah, no. Kind of I like, can't remember. I, I think it might have been Superman song actually. Oh, that would that would be more suiting, definitely. In that time of doing this tour, so was there any? Was there a particular song or a few that you kind of was like, oh God, I, I'm so glad we did that. Well. When God Shuffled His Feet came out, that was our second album. Right. And uh, so we didn't have a lot of material. <laughs> we only had two albums worth of material. So we actually did play all the tracks off mm-hmm. of God Shuffled His Feet, maybe maybe skipping like Two Nights and Maidens or something like that. Or, or um, But for the most part, we played the full album because we needed all that material. Um, so, you know, for the 25th anniversary tour, we we did play the whole album plus a few, a few more from uh, uh, other albums. But mm-hmm. this this next runaround, when we get back to Atlanta, it's going to be a new show, and it's it's called the 30 year 30 years of music or something like that. I can't remember how they've dubbed it, mm-hmm. but we'll we won't have like the deeper cuts from God Shuffle the Feet, um, but we'll have uh, a little bit more from you know, The Ghost Would Haunt Me and some of our later albums that are our fan favorites, but we just never get got the opportunity to play. I think after we, we have a little run in Ontario at the end of January, and I think after that I'm going to, like, put out a little social, social media um, flair and find out what people want to hear in the new set. Um, like, what are their favorites? Like, uh, uh, aside from the obvious, the hit ones. But right. yeah, I'd be interested to know what people want to hear. You know, as much as I loved the more popular, I mean, I mean like you, you talked about Two Nights and Maidens. Like to me, that's probably in my top three favorite songs of you guys. You know what I mean? I just think that that's such a great song, you know? And well, it's so, different. Yeah. Oh yeah, it, it totally is. But you said with this being kind of like a, like a, like a legacy type tour or whatever, um, are we going to hear some stuff from the very later albums? Are we going to hear some stuff from like A Worm's Life? 
Yep, you'll hear stuff from uh, Worm's Life, um, Give Yourself a Hand, uh, I think, and even some of the ones that were sort of written under the steam of, of, of Brad, mm-hmm. um, or produced under the steam of Brad, but were, you know, sold as Crash to Semi Records, although it wasn't the full band on those records. Uh, Dan and I performed on, on most of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but you'll hear those, too. And actually, we have a couple of songs in the show we have now from the most recent record, which is Ooh La La. Um, and that's a great record. And I, I think, actually, it's going to be good to be able to present material from that album to fans who might not be familiar with it. Because it didn't. we don't have that you know marketing machine behind us anymore. It's all us. Um, so to be able to play a few of the you know, newer tracks, I mean, that was t- you know, 2010, so it's not really new. But to be able to play those and present that music to, to new audiences uh, is going to be is going to be a good good thing for us. I love Do La La, and I thought that was a great album. And one of the things I always love about bands like you guys or bands that I've listened to for many years is that there's still this drive to put out new material and to also play it live really shows your confidence and your new material and not only, not just that but like how much you actually really like it <laughs> well I, I i think ooh la is a great album and i love recording it and i love playing the songs live um yeah so I, i'm I'm really looking forward to it, <laughs> to be honest. And after you know a year and some months on this uh, 25th anniversary tour, I'm ready for I'm ready for a fresh show. <laughs> That'll be nice. I mean, are you anticipating any new recordings, or are you guys just gonna kind of enjoy going out and doing live shows every now and then? Well, we are talking about about new material. Now, I, ha- I have to be clear that this is just a discussion uh, time, and, and mm-hmm. I, we don't want to put a lot of pressure on Brad, because touring is very hard. Um, and so to, to put to top up, a, put on top of that, here, write a whole, whole new record um, is tough. And also, you know, it costs, we don't have a record company, and so we have would have to fund that. And it's a pretty big risk to to you know, record an album that you might just end up having sitting in your basement for thirty years. <laughs> um, so we're definitely thinking about it, and mm-hmm. you know, Brad definitely has some some wheels in his head that are turning about ideas about what he'd like to do. Um, I can neither confirm nor deny <laughs> that. You know, so I like the idea that it's even just brewing. You know, that that idea is just you know possible. Yeah, I, th- I think we probably have to sort of put some feelers out and see what kind of response we might hope to have. I mean, we wouldn't just want to throw an album out there and hope for the best. We'd really want to have a pretty good idea of, of what we could expect. Because we're older now, right? <laughs> Fewer risks must be taken. Absolutely. I mean, even on my level of playing music, I mean, I'm still, I've got two boxes of CDs from my band sitting in my closet, and I'm just going, like, I'm going to be selling these CDs, like, or giving them away long after my band's gone, you know? <laughs> so it's like, I'll I have a solo record that I have the same issue with. I've got a box upstairs, and what the hell am I going to do with these coasters? Nobody even uses CDs anymore. Well, you know what? I will trade you when you come to Atlanta <laughs> two for one I'll give you two of mine and you can give me one of yours so you got it it's, you got it I'm so glad you brought that up because are, are, are we talking about the Cinderella album 
Yeah, yeah. So I fucking love that. Sorry, pardon my French or my Canadian, but I fucking love that <laughs> album. I loved it when it came out, and I still listen to it. And it oh has held God, really? seriously. It has held up remarkably well. And I think one of the things I just loved about it so much was well, well for one, you're a great songwriter, and especially for when it came out it i feel like it still had its you still had your foot in kind of that vibe of the music and the scene of what was going on but you kind of just threw it to the wind and it seemed very organic and it seemed very much with that being where did that come from where did that album come from oh god well i you know what when some people have a little bit bit of success they might buy a ferrari and instead, I recorded a CD, and it probably cost about the same much, all told. Because back then, you didn't really record in your basement. You had to do it old school, right? Right. Um, so I, I knew I wanted to do something, and, and I, I loved writing music, and um, not more so than lyrics. I'm, I'm not a not super comfortable with lyrics, but I did it. Um, and I'm very glad I did it, although I would probably do it very different now. That album is totally all over the shop. Don't get me wrong, I love every song on it, but it's like one minute you're getting this sort of, you know, techno-y vibe thing, and then you're getting a country song, and then you're getting a, you know, whatever. It's it's a little all over the shop, but maybe if I was to do it all over again, I would tighten up some of the some of the production parameters but as it is um i can live with it <laughs> see I and thank you very much for your kind words <laughs> kind of you. well i don't just say say things to say it so you know but i think that's one of the things that has kept me listening to it for all these years because i love the fact that it's so diversified with the different kinds of production and the different styles and whatnot because it i don't know listening to it now it's quite refreshing to be honest because i feel like a lot of music now sounds so linear on people's albums it's so much of the same thing well well thank you that's thank you that's very kind of you i appreciate that as someone who you know listens to a lot of popular music today which i don't what is it with this auto-tune effect like i remember like remember when share share was like one of the first ones (laughs) that used that that auto-tune as an effect Uh uh-huh but everyone does it now Is, is that just a thing that is supposed to be done now I'm not even talking about using like recording tools like uh, auto tune um, because you know anyone who goes into a studio is using auto tune mm-hmm. and any recording that you listen to of a live show on YouTube is going to sound like crap because <laughs> you're not really hearing right you're hearing probably what they hear in their monitors which is always crap um, for the most part but I'm talking about <clears throat> pardon me I'm talking about the the use of auto tune as an effect on a vocal. Um, where you can actually hear the auto-tune. Like when it's like, when you get that, yeah, that thing. And I I, I know I sound like an old lady. What are the young people doing today with music? But I was just asking out of a real curiosity, is this something that is consistent with new music today is to use that effect on vocals to the point where that's all you really hear is the effect over the actual timbre of the voice. And by the way, I love it when I'm talking to someone and they, I feel like the table gets flipped and they're interviewing me. (laughs) I guess to answer that question is, I mean, again, like as someone who's not completely, you know, in touch with modern music, but when I hear it, I almost feel like it's kind of part of a trend. Does that make sense? You know what I mean? Like it's part of this kind of trend of that style of, 
pop music slash hip hop R&B kind of thing where someone is singing and they use that that you know where it's like kind of yeah that's the worst example imitation of it by the way but you know (laughs) you knew what i was talking about (laughs) i know what you're talking about and it's not just r&b it's in country music it's in popular oh yeah like you know it's in am radio music it's it's everywhere and that's sort of what i was wondering is you know why (laughs) <laughs> I mean, it's so it's so distracting, and it's so for me, it's such a turnoff from like even wanting to try to hear what's being you know sung about or whatever because it's just so to me it's so I mean it's digital and it's just like I don't I, know I, I agree with you I think it distracts from from the vocal it distracts from music but you know what. You know, what'll happen is we'll put out a new record in a couple of years and it'll just be full of auto-tune. We'll all just sound like robots. And I'll be, oh, this is the best thing ever. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm always late to the party. <laughs> yeah, in, in 10 years, you'll do it. And then there are people going to be like, oh, my God, that's so 10 years ago. <laughs> oh, my God. In 10 years. If I'm 63 years old and putting out pop records... Oh, God. Well, that's what I said when I was 30. If I'm 50 years old in a van with these guys, give me a shake. (laughs) So you guys are touring in a van. Like, how is that compared? I mean, obviously, you know, back in the day, you probably had a tour bus and, you know, it was comfortable and whatnot, though. But does being back in a van kind of bring you back to where it was like when you started and stuff? And so is it kind of neat or is it one of those things where it's like, God damn, this is uncomfortable? (laughs) God damn it, this is uncomfortable. I will be straight with you. The van is not fun. The van is where I earn my money. Not doing shows, not meeting fans, not doing anything. The van is where I earn my money. (laughs) It is the worst. It's the worst thing. Now, don't get me wrong, I love my job. Uh But sitting in a van for eight hours and then getting on stage to play... Especially when you have to like wear makeup and shave your legs and crap, it makes for a long day. <laughs> you just got to play that, pray that every venue you play has enough space where you can stretch out and do all that. You know? Oh God, God, the van is the worst. Is it humbling? Uh, oh, please, yeah. <laughs> we. We used to pull up to the venue in a in a tour bus and and you know we'd go into the venue and now it's like we pull up in the van and these six fifty year olds fall out of the van like you park <laughs> in a regular around. parking spot everything aches because they've been you've been in a sitting position for eight hours there's no one at the venue to meet us because we're late or early <laughs> I'll tell you we have a tour manager Wayne and without Wayne we would be like freaking ancient diapered toddlers. <laughs> Ancient diapered toddler. That should be the name of your next record. That would be incredible. I actually had that tattooed on my lower back. A throwback from the 90s. Ancient diapered toddler. (laughs) In a circle, right? Yeah, yeah. With antlers. That's amazing. (laughs) I wanted to go back real quick to the Cinderella album because when I was doing some research a a couple weeks ago when I was kind of getting ready for our talk, I stumbled upon your blog, which I thought was (laughs) absolutely fucking hilarious. And 
like one of the thing the thing that kicked me the most was that the first thing that came out that I saw was the description of Cinderella and you had it listed as heart-wrenching whiny vagina music and, <laughs> <laughs> and well I I, I kind of did that thing where you squint and you look up at the sky a bit and I was like huh okay yeah I think I can see it you know like is, is that how you actually really feel about it? Yeah. Well, you know, I, I can't take credit for the phrase vagina music because I saw a movie many years ago, many, many years ago called, I think, Walking and Talking. And uh, Anne Hesch was in it. And, oh, that woman who's everywhere. Cat uh, uh, Keener. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Keener. What's her last first name? Catherine um, Keener? Well, it's. It's like one of her first early on movies. She was oh, great. Anyway, yeah. they had this, this, they're driving in a car and the boyfriend is in the back seat and he says, do we have to listen to this vagina music the whole way? And they both said yes. <laughs> so I've always thought of my music as whiny vagina music. Me and my friends were a little more polite. We used to just call it Lilith Fair music. Lil what? <laughs> Lilith, Lilith Fair. Music. Do you remember that tour? The Lilith Fair? Oh, it was like the yeah. Sarah McLaughlin thing. And so we were always like, oh, that's Lilith Fair music. <laughs> you know? yep. like, it's, it's for the ladies. Oh, you know, well, we I enjoyed it too myself. So, but um, For sure, me too. But your blog is just hilarious. And like, I, I, is, is that some MS Paint art that you do? Because that is just amazing. And I have to say, I loved your MS Paint boobs. Like, those were just hilarious, you know? Oh, like, yeah, I, yeah. True to life, man. <laughs> 18 different directions. <laughs> like, so are you going to keep that up? I mean, because I had a blast just reading through it, and it was so funny. Like, it was just so oh, fun okay. to, just to you. see your outlook on just your life and your cooking and all that stuff. Well, I haven't... Uh... The last one I put out was maybe a year ago, and it was just sort of a really, you know, brief update. Um, I, I actually do something else now. I have a, a YouTube channel, and it's about cross-stitch. <laughs> that is amazing. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I have a YouTube channel about cross-stitch. It's called Maximum Cross-Stitch Power Hour. <laughs> So that's the other thing I was going to say. Like, I loved, I just loved the sense of humor that you have. Like, it's so, like, kind of warped, which I can totally connect to and everything. Is that something you've always had? Like, did, did you grow up with that kind of humor? My father, God bless him, he used to peel, you know those Concord grapes, the purple ones? Yeah. He used to peel them and then stick the peeled grape sort of, so it's sticking a little bit out of his nose, so it looks like a big shiny bugger hanging out of his his nasal nose there, and he would just wait. <laughs> he would just wait for someone to say something. That man would hold on to jokes for years for the right time. So I I come by my sense of humor. I grew up, you know, with Monty Python. You know, I probably watched Monty Python more than Sesame Street growing up. So oh, if I have any any humor at all, it's derivative, and it's from my father and Monty Python. <laughs> I can totally see that. That is amazing. I loved watching your little cooking adventure. Are you gonna, you should be on one of those like Food Network challenges or something. Like I think that would be hilarious. That would be so good. Oh. I'm actually a really crappy cook. I, if I don't have a recipe to follow, I'm 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 lost at sea. Um, I think I'd probably be better as a sidekick on a <laughs> cooking show where I make quips and comments. 
also, no one wants to have me on a cooking show because I'm a vegan, which means I freak out at anything. <laughs> How do you know if someone's vegan? Don't worry, they'll tell you. See? See what I did there? I love that. There's a guy. There's a guy that's got a great YouTube series. I don't know if you've seen that. It was. It was. If if meat eaters um, acted like vegans, and he's talking to some like this girl who's holding a thing of broccoli, and he was like, mm-hmm. "I can't believe you're eating it." He's like, "That's what food. That's what my food eats." <laughs> <laughs> that's what my food eats. <laughs> that's what my food eats. Like I can't even do that. No. <laughs> you know, <it's> just, <laughs> I'll have to send you a link to that because I mean it's like you can just watch this guy. It's like I, I've watched him for like a couple. Like I've I've wasted more time than somebody should on that guy's. Channel. Is that the guy it's with the long red hair? It is with the beard. <laughs> yeah, he does yoga stuff too. <laughs> That's totally. He's yeah. hilarious. It's like it's like so good. It's like I was just like, oh my gosh, I can't get enough of this. It's so hilarious. But well, I guess to just to kind of close things out, like. I mean, so we've got a cool thing, cool year coming up for 2020 with you guys doing this tour. And I mean, do you have any do you have any plans or desires to make another solo album? Um, not. I'm not really thinking about that right now because, especially if we do another Dummies record, I will focus on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but right now, is I don't even know where I'd find the time because once we, we do a few dates in January and then we have. Uh, March off, but then April, we start, we do a month in the States, and then we're heading over to Europe, and we'll be a month over there. And then when we come back, it's the summertime, so that means festivals and, and, you know, doing that whole circuit. And then September comes, and you're back into the regular touring touring circuit. So... I, I think we're just going to be doing the grind for the next next year or so. So probably not too much opportunity for me to sit down and pen anything, any more whiny vagina music. <laughs> how, much, how much whiny vagina music does the world need? There's plenty. More than I mean, between know. me and Jan Arden and Sarah McLaughlin, we've got it covered. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, who was the other one? You can't. Oh, Joan Armour Trading. You can't forget her. You know. Oh so. no, no. And uh, oh, who else? Alicia Keys is kind of whiny, but kind of music. Um, yeah, that's like that's like mm. that's like power vagina music. Yeah, like know? certain maybe angry vagina music. Yeah, it's like with teeth. You know, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Vagina dentata. Yes, yes. <laughs> Maybe that's what I'll call my next record, Vagina Dentata. That, okay. You heard it here first, folks. That's going to be, you know. <laughs> and I'm going to totally hold you to this, so. But, um. Okay. Well, Ellen, thank you so much for taking the time to talk today. And I really appreciated you humoring me and answering all of my questions I've been wanting to ask for so long. So, it's been such a great time talking to you. My pleasure. Absolutely. Well, look, we'll see you in Atlanta and um, looking forward to it. Same here. We love Atlanta. Ah, well, we can't wait to have you back because, oh, and actually, because this was the town that was very important to you, wasn't it? Yeah. Atlanta is the city that broke crash test on these back in the 90s. If it wasn't for Atlanta, we would, you know, we probably would have fizzled out and disappeared. So Atlanta has a very special place in our hearts. Well, I know the crowd's going to be awesome here, and I'm excited to see you for the first time in 
like I said, like since I almost got fired from my fast food job, so it'll be great. So I'm looking forward <laughs> to it. We look different. Be prepared. Well, so do I. So, you know, you might remember me. I was the guy in the audience that had the long dark hair and the black t-shirt, you know, so. Oh, in the, in the McDonald's uniform? <laughs> The one that looked like butthead, you know, with the braces and everything? That was me. Yeah, so. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> well, look, I'm looking forward to seeing you and uh, and getting that autograph. And uh, you guys just have a great holiday and you have a good one. And um, we'll look forward to seeing you next year. Thanks a lot. All right. Thanks, Ellen. Bye-bye.